0: Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country, and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can... Uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at coastcom because we want to be able to have pockets of New Life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our uh, services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our forever River location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser uh, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. I want to go a little bit deeper this morning, uh, from where we left off last week, we talked about how Christianity is a worldview. It's not just this private Sunday thing that we do. And that's why I think the enemy is gaining ground in our country because we're kind of letting him kind of have his way. But the Bible calls us to see things through the lens of God. And God doesn't have compartments and departments. Everything is spiritual. Everything is the will of God. Like God wants to permeate every area of life, every area of society, every corner of our hearts and our minds. And so it's a, it's a worldview, amen? And so I wanna, I wanna help us go a little bit deeper in understanding that there's a difference, there's a contrast in worldviews right now in our country and in us. And that's why we need to know the will of God. We need to know the heart of God because if not, we're gonna get caught up in this confusing days that we're living in. Can you say amen? So Ephesians 4 beginning with verse 17, says, With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure And eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But. That isn't. What you learn. About Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus. And have learned the truth. That comes from him. Throw off your old. Sinful nature. And your former way of life. Which is corrupted by lust. And deception. Instead. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Can you say amen? Yeah. Have you ever felt like there's like more than one of you? All right. Have you ever f- found yourself having an argument with yourself? I wanna make sure I'm talking to the right people today. Do I have anybody in the house? Have you ever find yourself saying to yourself, like, shut up, enough? Have you ever got into an argument with yourself? Doesn't it feel sometimes like we are in this like wrestling match with our own selves? Do you ever talk yourself out of something and Have you ever had a moment where you have to talk yourself into something? Because there's a part of you that doesn't want to do something. Am I talking to real people this morning? It seems like we are caught up in this wrestling match within ourselves. It's interesting, there was a man who gave his life to Jesus, and the man who led him to Jesus followed up with him a few weeks, I think it was a couple of months later, and he was asking him, how, how are you doing since you gave your life to Jesus? Like, how are you doing? How's it going? And the man said, man, I don't know. I feel like there's this, like, fight and wrestling going on inside of me. I feel like there's, I have two dogs living inside of me going at it. So the man asked him, well, which one wins? And he said, the one I feed the most. So my friends, we are caught up in this wrestling match between the old and the new. There there is this wrestling match going on, not just in us, but it's going on in our society. It's all around us right now. I call this the conflict of worldviews, the contrast between the worldviews that we're coming from. And it's interesting that when God chose a group of people to, to, to display His purpose on earth, He chose a group of people and He called them Israel. And what's interesting, Israel literally means the one who wrestles with God. So this whole thing is a wrestling match to either yield to the will of God or to continue in our stubborn ways without him. And in this passage that we just read, this is the contrast that the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand. He's saying, listen, there is this old way of living and then there's this new way of living and if you paid attention to the reading today, he says, man, you are, when you got caught up on this world, old worldview, without God, without his will, you find yourself confused. You find yourself in the dark. He even said you find yourself being close-minded. Because isn't it funny, a lot of times when people say, you know, if you're religious, you're close-minded. But I think it's the other way around. If you're not, then you're more close-minded because you're not open to the possibilities of what could happen and should happen and what is out there. Because life is way more than just what we see. There's so many intangibles of things we don't see. And it seems to me that the things we don't see seem to affect us more than with things that we see. I'm preaching now. And he says, you find yourself being hard-hearted. In other words, you can't receive from God. You can't receive his will and his purpose because your heart is hardened against him. It's like you stiff arm the will of God. Which sleeves. it says, to a life of no shame. You ever find people do, so you ever see people do some things, you're like, oh my God, you gotta be ashamed of yourself. Like, what are you doing? But your mind is so out there that you're not even realizing that, man, this is not normal. And when God is not in the picture, what's not normal becomes normal. And what's normal becomes abnormal. The Bible says there come a day when we're going to call right, wrong, and wrong, right. And I think we're there. He says, then you live a life of lust and impurities. Why, because you are living a worldview that doesn't include the grace and the will and the purpose of God. Are you tracking so far? Now, I, I, I need to go a little bit deeper because we need to understand how this displays itself, not just in us, but in the world that we live in. In the world that we live in, we would call this a naturalistic worldview. A worldview that is only seen from the lenses of a person who doesn't believe that there's a God and there's a purpose in him. And so if I was to break this down, I hope you're taking notes because it's a little deeper here. Without God, we are left with this worldview that is basically a worldview that only goes by the natural things. So let me break it down for us, right? What happens in a naturalistic worldview is, number one is we are just a product of chance, if there's no creator, all we are is a combination of atoms that millions upon millions of years ago in a primordial soup, and somehow by chance, we were able to come together and become the humans that we are today, and we, that we believe that this, the process of evolution has gotten to where we are today. So in other words, there's really no reason for our existence. We're just here by chance. That is the naturalistic perspective of life. Now, if that is true, that leads to number two. Because if we're here by chance, we don't have a creator, therefore, we have to construct morality on our own. We call this moral relativism. So morality becomes what's relative to me. And that's why, so all of a sudden you hear people say, that's my truth, as if all of us have a copyright on truth. And and so what happens is now we have 7 billion people in the world going, that's my truth. That's why sometimes people say, oh, you go to church. That's good for you. Why? Because now we're constructing our own morality, and it becomes a buffet. I get to pick and choose what I think is right, and I get to pick and choose what I think is wrong. Are you tracking with me? And then that leads to this reality, like if there's no creator, right, I I am left to construct it on my own, then my identity is only found in race, gender, and my ethnic group. Is this not what's happening in our world right now? Now we've boiled down everything to, this is my gender. Actually, I don't even know my gender. Today, I identify myself as a Chinese woman because, because I like Chinese food. <laughs> and, and, and then race becomes the calling card of my life. And then whatever ethnic group I come from, that's what I identify with. So for me, I am this, I'm a black African man who happens to be an immigrant. So all of my worldview is filtered through just that little lens, which is very limited perspective when it comes to life. Are you tracking with me so far? And then because I don't have a creator and I have to construct my own and my identity is only found in race, gender, or my ethnic group, then whatever works best is right. We call this pragmatism, right? So life becomes about, oh, I I gotta do me. Right? What do we hear a lot is, do you, boo-boo, right? you got to figure out what works for you. If it works for you, it must be right. The problem is, there are a lot of things that work for some people. It doesn't mean it's right. And there are a lot of things that are legal in our society. It doesn't mean it's right in the heart of God, in the will of God, in the purpose of God. And so we, we find ourselves in this pragmatic place of whatever works best for you. But what if my best trumps your best? Whose best gets to be the best? Hello. <laughs> so we say, okay, there's no creator. I, I can construct my own morality. I, my identity is fine, in race, gender or ethnic group, whatever works best. So here's what we need. All we need, here's what this worldview says. All we need is the right social and economic structure that can lead us to harmony and prosperity. We call this utopianism. right? We're looking for utopia. And all we need is the right social and economic structure. And guess what? We're going to have harmony. We're going to have prosperity. And my friends... We don't have it. We actually have the opposite of harmony and prosperity. We have chaos and confusion. Why? Because it doesn't matter what we do, we will never be able to reach utopia on our own. Are you tracking with me? And so this doesn't take rocket science to realize, wait, is that society who's doing all of this? Are we really seeing harmony and prosperity? Matter of fact, we don't even know how good we have it here that we're trying to deconstruct the very thing that is prospering us, which is this country and the democracy and the prosperity that's already in place in the first place. Why? Because if you go back to the beginning, it was always rooted on the principle that there is a creator that gives you the ability to pursue happiness and justice and truth. So, my friends, if that's true, right, I'm a product of chance, I construct my own morality, Uh, my identity is fine in my race, gender, and and ethnic group, whatever works best is right, I have the right social and economic structure, even though no one's happy. This leads to this reality that this world is all there is. And if that's true, then why is it that the number one thing that's being Googled right now is, is there life after death? I think we're kicking and screaming without God, but in our hearts we're longing for something real, for something more, for something that actually will give us a purpose and give us meaning, a a desire to wake up in the morning. Because my friends, here's the other thing that no one wants to talk about is that everything that we're screaming about we're actually are empty. The suicide rate has gone up. And they said, here's a scary thing, I hate to say this morbid, but they said the ages of 10 to 34 has the biggest suicidal rate. So if this is true, why aren't we happy? Why do we have so, much pe- so many people filled with substance abuse? Why do we have so many broken homes? Why do we have so many kids who are bro- growing up fatherless when, of course, they were here by chance? Why is it that our kids go to school and all they hear, they're a product of evolution? So you wonder why people while out and act out don't have a purpose, don't have a meaning, because this is what you're left with when you take God out of the picture. Are you tracking with me? But thankfully, God, the Bible says there's a but. I like buts in the Bible because it's saying there's a better way. There's a better perspective, right? And this is where we get what we call the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview looks like this compared to the the naturalistic worldview. Number one is this. There is a transcendent God who existed before the world and created everything. The Christian worldview says, no, 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 you're not here by coincidence or mistake. You were here because you were created by a creator. And when someone creates something, they have a purpose for it. They have a meaning for it. They have a a desire to see that thing reach their potential. Because no one creates something without purpose. You're sitting on a chair who who someone designed and thought about and said, I'm going to create something that will make them be able to sit and relax and not worried about if it's going to break. You already exercised faith today. You sat in that chair without checking if it's going to hold you. And faith is all about the object of the thing that you're trusting in. I'm preaching better than you guys are responding. (laughs) So my friends, there is a God. Therefore, you're not a mistake. Someone can say you are a mistake, but they don't see the full picture because God doesn't make mistakes. And so if God created you, there's a reason why you're here. And if you're not dead yet, he must have a purpose for you. He must have meaning for you. And if he doesn't make mistake, then you're a male for a reason. And you're a female for a reason. And your job now is to find out why I am who God says I am. And that leads to number two, that God has spoken and revealed an absolute and unchanging standard of right and wrong based on His holy character. God created us and then He gave us standards to live by to give us a clear picture of right and wrong. These we call the universal truths that no matter where you live in the world, there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Why? Because they were created by God and some people who never read the Bible still know what's right from wrong. And matter of fact, a lot of times we have to bypass our conscience to do something wrong. Because your conscience speaks to you. And who created your conscience? Your God. So we do have standards to live by But we may choose to bypass them. We can bypass the code in our conscience. Are you you tracking with me? Which leads to number three. Our true identity is found in God as revealed in scriptures. Our true identity will never be found in society. Will never be found in our feelings. It will only be found in the created God. Because why? No one creates something without purpose. So think about this, if that's true, my job is to find out what does he say about me, because I don't know about you, I'm really bad at putting things together, if I go to Ikea, I will lose my salvation when I try to push something together, if you want to see me lose my mind, call me to go put something together. Right? But everything you try to put has a manual, right? That manual is there to instruct you, but I'm so bad at it, even the manual trips me up, that my wife says, you might want to call one of your friends. Truth is, she doesn't want me to put anything together because it never works out. She comes out and be like, why, why does he look angled? I'm like, I think it's supposed to be that way, honey. It's supposed to be leaning. <laughs> it's a new model. <laughs> yeah, but why, why does it swerve? Well, it it shifts with you, it's (laughs) Uh, really bad. But my point is, my friends, everything that's created has a manual. And God says, I've given you a manual to get to know me, to get to know your purpose, to get to know your meaning, to get to know when you're straying away from it so you can get back on track. Like I've given you a GPS and the GPS inside of you is always calling you home to the will of God, to the purpose of God, and to the plans of God for your life. That's your true identity. And number four, sin is real and deeply twisted the human nature. This is what we don't want to recognize. Like I said, we are knuckleheads. We, wanna, we want to insist on our way. But the reality is we can't fix sin. No matter how much of a great you, you know, social dynamic you create. Have you noticed this? Back, listen, let me give you an example. Back in the 80s, we had the, the first drug problem. Right? But there was the stigma that this drug problem would only be found in certain neighborhoods. And then we found out, wait a minute... That's not true. Just because you have the right social structure and you have a mom and a dad at home, we find out that a lot of people who are hooked on drugs were actually coming from suburban homes, which completely ruined this whole concept of utopia because it doesn't matter where you're from and, and where you've been and who your parents is and who your parent isn't. The reality is you are a sinful person who needs redemption, who needs restoration, who needs healing, who needs to be restored by the grace of God. Which leads to... Earth is not heaven yet. And I say yet because the manual, that's why you gotta read the manual. The manual said one day, the owner who's gonna come back and restore all things, he's gonna make a new heaven and a new earth, and we're gonna live here without sin, without shame, without guilt. We're not there yet, but we're on our way. In the meantime, he says, keep praying for this kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we come on Sundays. And and once in a while, you get a little glimpse that there is more to life and that there is God touching us. And we're touching him and heaven comes, but we're not there yet. That's why we always say the best is yet to come. Why? Because we live for eternity and not just for temporary things. My friends, this is the reason why this pandemic has caused so much chaos, because we realize, OMG, we don't live forever. This is the reality. This is why so many people are scared, won't leave their home. Some people haven't left their home in months. Why? Because they've allowed the naturalistic worldview to infiltrate their minds and their hearts. It's a scary thing when you live your life from a place of fear. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And let's be honest, the data doesn't compute. Do your homework. I think they've sold this a lie. I said this two weeks ago. It's almost like, hey, they said, hey, you have this virus, but the side effects is gonna kill you more than the virus. That's why, my friends, we have to stand up for truth. We have to stand up for righteousness. We have to stand up for the church and say, no, we need to be open because lives need to come and have life and have meaning and have purpose and get baptized and find life again. This is the hope of the world. It's Jesus and his church and his will. Nothing else is going to do it. This is where people say, I found meaning. I found purpose. I have a purpose in life. I'm not here by chance or coincidence. I am who God says that I am. My goodness, we have a worldview that speaks hope into people. We have a worldview that speaks beyond this world. We have a worldview that even the bad things can be redeemed. We have a worldview where the cross was the worst you can do to a human being. And through that cross, he brought the best that you can bring to a human being. Through the cross comes the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a worldview that says, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. I thank God for the good, the bad, the ugly, the confusing, because I know he is good, he's faithful, no matter what. So I can kick and scream through life, or I can surrender and find a better life in Christ. Because the key, my friends, the X factor Paul tells us here is Jesus. It is Jesus, my friends, that, go ahead, that shifts our worldview from death to life. It is Jesus that shifts your worldview from selfishness to selflessness. It is Jesus that shifts your worldview from me, myself, and I to God, what is your plan for all of us? It is Jesus that will take you from living in fear and worry to living in hope, even though it may seem like hell is breaking loose, but all hell could be breaking loose around you, but you can still have confidence that you have a God who is for you, and if He's for you, who can be against you? My friends, Jesus is more than this really cute thing that we do on a Sunday morning. Jesus shifted the cosmic understanding of life. He shifted history. There is a before Jesus and after Jesus. Tell me someone who has done that. The God of the universe who who governs it has split history in two and said there's a new day. We call this a new birth. When you are physically born, what they do is they cut your umbilical cord. He's saying like, listen, you no longer have to be sustained by your mom. You don't have to be sustained. What was sustained you for nine months was powerful, but for this new entering of the new world, you have to cut yourself from that to get into this new place. And so this is what Jesus comes to do. He comes to cut you away from the sinful nature so you can kind of come into the new nature and receive what he has for you. That's why he said you must be born again. And this is the beauty of this thing. But my friends, this is more than just, you know, head knowledge. This is about experiencing the grace of God and the purpose of God. A lot of people have head knowledge of God. People will say, yeah, I know God. But then you look at their lives, you're like, no, you don't. If you knew God, there was a lifestyle that would come across. If you knew God, there were certain convictions that you would live with. If you knew God, there's a certain swagger that comes to your life. When you know God experientially. Do you know Jesus by experience? Because we don't need just head knowledge of Jesus. For us, my friends, we've been calling this the new normal way before this pandemic hit. Because this pandemic for me is not the new normal. Because I would never conform to something that makes me fearful of all the wrong things. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The reverence, the respect that I have for my creator is the only thing I'm going to fear. And the Bible says if you're going to fear anyone, fear the one who has the power of life and death in his hands. And so, my friends, the new normal is this new life that we find in Jesus. This scripture in 2 Corinthians is the life verse of this church. We always like to bring it back, especially for Celebration Sunday. But, but, but the Bible says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life, the old worldview is gone. A new life has begun. Notice he says begun. In other words, you're not, you may not be fully there yet, but you're on your way. Today, you're taking a massive steps towards the will and the purpose of God. But beware, because the enemy is real. He's going to come against you with everything that he has. But I'm here to declare over your life, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Because God is faithful. So my friends, this only comes when you abide and rely on Jesus by experience. This is something you have to want for yourself. God will never force his will on you, but he will bid you to come. He always puts crumbs along the line. If you pay attention to your life, God's been pursuing you a very long time. Like, if we can be honest for a second, God has been there all along. It's not until you wake up that you realize, oh, that was him all along. Even the bad, even the stuff that you didn't make sense at the time. It's almost like God was like, man, I have to slowly pull you into my will and my purpose because we don't know what's good for us. Come on, think about it. Like, let's, get, let's get a little bit honest here in this church. If it wasn't for Jesus pulling you along, you wouldn't be here this morning. Some of y'all would've went to church last night. And you know what kind of church I'm talking about? The kind of church that you tied at the door? The kind of church that you get in and you try to find a way to mingle, but you know you 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 you're too you know in the natural to mingle. You need to have a few drinks on you to be able to get you out of your comfort zone to be able to do things that you normally wouldn't do in natural circumstances because you want to be intoxicated to be able to not. All right, y'all ain't gonna talk to me. But then Jesus had to pull you and cut you away from that. And some of y'all you ain't clapping because you're still in between worlds. Hello. Ooh, quiet in this church. Some of y'all are still like, eh, eh, eh. (laughs) Jesus is good, but you know, (laughs) you know, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit bring the conviction. (laughs) Let me end by showing you, Paul says, here's what the new life looks like. And this is what you have to pay attention to because you... It's not just head knowledge. It's my experience in this reality. Here's how he ends the scripture. He says, here's what this new life looks like. It's a spirit-filled life, renewed, that renews your thoughts and attitudes. Everything that happens in your life happens in your mind first. That's why, that's why the Bible says, don't conform to the world. You have to be transformed. You have to be transformed from this worldview into the newness of your life. And that's a... Process. That's the evolution that I believe in. The spiritual evolution that God takes you on. Right? The word for this in the Bible is the word metamorphosis. Transformation. Metamorphosis is gradual. Metamorphosis is like, you ever seen a grub? Looks disgusting. A warmy thing, slimy thing. But with time, with evolution, that thing begins to transform itself into a beautiful butterfly that's metamorphosis that the bible talks about and if we can be honest for a second we can say man i remember when i was a little warm grub slimy good for nothing thought i knew everything but didn't know anything so prideful so egotistic so insecure I had to puff my chest to try to prove myself no no one's going to talk to me about the fact that some of us were we here but slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit begins the transformation. And you look back, you're like, who the heck was that? You ever had a moment you're like, who? You ever meet someone you haven't seen in a while, they try to remind you, your pastor, you're like, who are we talking about? <laughs> I got a few honest people in this house. But that's, that's the transformation, that's the new nature that God has all of us on. You may not be there yet, but you're on your way. That's the beauty of this thing. It's a journey. But God created you to be like him. That's the ultimate purpose. To reflect him. God is righteous and holy, and he wants his people to be righteous and holy. Without holiness, no one can see God. He's too holy to coexist with impurities. That's why he takes us on a journey to purify us, to cleanse us, to restore us until he decides to take us home. That's the beauty of baptism. It's it's another step to say, God, cleanse me, heal me, restore me. Just don't stop your metamorphosis process. I end with this, one of my favorite quotes that I learned when I got saved. This preacher said, God loves you just the way that you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be Just like Jesus. That's the beauty of this journey. Would you just stand with me as we pray together and get ready for baptism? Listen, all this sounds good, but if you don't make up your mind to let him come into your life, all it is is head knowledge. You will never experience the actual transformation. It's the sad reality that a lot of people will come this far, but then they don't take the plunge to say, Lord, I surrender. But I believe God brought you here this morning, not by coincidence or mistake, because in His economy, there's no coincidences, there's no mistake. He's been pursuing you. Even some of you, you're like, I just came because my friend's get baptized. No, no, no. God doesn't make mistakes. He brought you here to introduce himself to you, to say, I also came after you so you can know me. So you guys are home. This is your chance. You guys are in the, in the building, Fall River. I'm going to invite you to do something with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And the reason why we bow our heads and close our eyes is to mind our own business. So we're not distracted by anybody around. Because this is personal. Are you ready to make the greatest decision of your life? To surrender your life to the Lord? Because when you do, the newness of life begins. The old is gone and the new begins. I said begins. It's a journey. So if you're ready, this is your moment. This is your moment, in person and online. I'm going to say this prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, He will come into your life, forgive you, and empower you to live a new life. So let's pray this prayer together, especially you who have never given your life to the Lord. Say this with me, but say it from your heart. Say, Father, I heard you, and I'm responding to your love, to your grace, and to your mercy. I pray you come into my life, forgive me of my sins, and make me a new person in the image of your son, Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for my sins. Now empower me with your spirit to live this new life. I surrender all to you, so have your way in me, but also have your way through me. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you Lord. Thank you. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.